All right, good morning. I'd like to welcome you all who are joining us online. And, uh, you know, looking around, I can see that we're kind of thin. I know we got a lot of people down at Cannon Beach this weekend. And, uh, and Ricky and Ace are in that group. So I know they're having a lot of fun down there. And they kind of left us without adult supervision. Uh, Mike is back there, but he doesn't count as adult supervision. So I think we're good. Uh, and for those of you who just haven't had the opportunity to go down to this Cannon Beach retreat, I do strongly encourage this. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I think you'd really enjoy it. Now, over the last several uh, weeks, Ricky has been going through the book of John. And there's just so much to unpack theology-wise in the book of John. But one of my favorite aspects of it is the seven I am statements from Jesus. And just kind of to recap those I am statements, he said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Now, it's kind of hard to even turn on the news today and not see what's going on in this world. And it seems like there is a whole lot of anger out there. There's a lot of frustration out there. There's a whole lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear. And because of that, I kind of think I figured I'd go in a different direction today. And I kind of want to give you my own I am statements. But these are going to be in Christ I am statements. What I am in Christ is the same thing that you are in Christ. And if this is not who you are, just know that this could be who you are in Christ. And I'm just going to jump right into these and, and just see if you don't see yourself in these statements. In Christ, I am loved. And for there, I'm going to go to Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. As Christians, this is one of the very first and probably the most important lesson that we can learn. We learn this at a really early age. I mean, even as little children. And just think of the Sunday school classes that you've, you've gone through. Think of the songs you might have taught your own kids. Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves me, this I know. I often get to sit back there in the back, just kind of keeping an eye on the parking lot during the services. And we have the Sunday school back there. And I get to hear the kids sing with such enthusiasm as they sing these songs, their enthusiasm is absolutely amazing. And I certainly wish I could capture even just a little bit of their enthusiasm and their energy. But yet, how easy is it for us to forget or even question this most basic truth about our identity in Christ? Who am I in Christ? I am loved. 
So Psalm 86.5 says, You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. The God of the entire universe loves you. He delights in you. He rejoices over you with singing. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's Zephaniah 3.17. He doesn't want to harm you. He came so that you might have a life that's full and abundant. And that is good news. Now, moving on to another one. In Christ, I am forgiven. Ephesians 1 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Is your past full of mistakes? It doesn't matter. We who are in Christ, when we're in Christ, it means we are someone who is forgiven. The very heart of the Christian message is that we are all sinners. Yet, there's nothing we as a people can do to gain our own forgiveness. That is why Jesus came to earth, lived that perfect life that we could never achieve. He died the death that we, res that we deserve so that he could pay that penalty for those sins. So you are forgiven. It's all done. When you know you're forgiven, your past can stay in the past. And your future can be totally different because you've been set free from that guilt and that shame over anything you've done. And just in case you're thinking you're one of those world-class sinners who, you know, all pro, not even God can forgive you of your sin, you're just flattering yourself. Uh, there is no sin more significant than what Jesus has already done for you on that cross. When Jesus declared, it is finished, he meant that that full price had been paid for the sin, no matter what you have done. Psalms 103 verse 12 tells us, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgression from us. He'll forgive you, you just have to ask him. And if we confess and we repent, our sins, he is faithful, and he is just to forgive us those sins and purify us of all of our unrighteousness. This does not mean that there won't be consequences. But God does not hold your sins against you. He forgives you, and he forgets them entirely. And going to number three, in Christ, I am chosen. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Have you ever felt left out? Have you felt abandoned or just even unwanted? You don't feel that with God. God chose you before the beginning. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and he called you for a specific purpose. You are not an accident, and you are not here 
by mistake. It is not of who we are that God has chosen us. But it's because of who he is. God's choosing us highlights his gracious character, not our merit. As we know from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we are not saved because of our good works, but solely because of God's grace. We are all sinners, and we all fail to measure up to God's glory. Apart from Jesus, we all deserve death. But in Jesus, we can have life. And just as Peter, 1 Peter 2.9 indicates, the proper response to being chosen by God is to declare God's praise and give him worship. God also chose us so that we could join him in his work. Ephesians 2.10 says, uh, says, God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. Jesus spoke of his followers bearing fruit that would last. Ephesians 1.4 links the elect, uh, election to the holy body. Uh, I'm going to start that sentence over. Ephesians 1.4 links election to being holy and blameless in God's sight. God chose us because he has a purpose in mind for our lives. You will never be left out. You will never be abandoned or unwanted, not with God. In Christ, I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And again, do you have a sinful past that makes you feel ashamed? Not anymore. According to Christ, you are a brand new creation. The old self is crucified with him. And now we put on a new self, a new identity in Christ, which is continually being renewed. And I think Paul puts that out there perfectly in his letter to Galatians when he wrote in chapter 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now this means that the old things have died, nailed to the cross with our sin nature. The things we once loved, like selfishness, pride, lying, these are the things we should now despise. The sin we once held on to, we now desire to put away forever. The labels that once defined you are completely stripped of any power they may have had over you. Every day is a new day. And you can start this day fresh. Another one, in Christ, I am not condemned. And I'm going to Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian who battles the pressing weight of condemnation, take heart. 
Romans 8.1 says that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. This means that when your heart screams thoughts of condemnation at you, it is a lie. Are you constantly beating yourself up because you don't think you're enough? Are you not smart enough, not talented enough, young enough, enough, any enough? Just stop. That is not where your identity is rooted. Your identity is in Christ, and Romans 8, 1 tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This new identity and this new position is received by grace and faith. It cannot be taken away. Once declares God declares someone righteous, who's going to accuse that person of being unrighteous and condemn him? When Jesus died on that cross, he took our condemnation upon himself. He took the punishment that was due to all of us. All who believe in him have eternal life and are no longer condemned by God. No, you're not allowed to beat yourself up any longer and the enemy isn't allowed to do that either. You're forgiven. You got to remember that. You're brand new. Embrace that and rejoice. And on to another one. In Christ, I am more than a conqueror. And going to Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. If you don't think you can do something, God thinks you can. Romans 8.37 tells us that we are more than conquerors. Philippians 4.13 tells us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And 1 Corinthians 15.17 reminds us that God gives us the victory. I can't even count the times I've heard someone going through a difficult situation say something along the lines of, I know God will never give me more than I can handle. Yes and no. Uh, what God will never do is give you more than he can handle. He can handle anything, and he will always provide a path for you. Where are you going to place your trust? Are you going to place it in your own ability to handle the storms and the difficult times in your life? Or are you going to put your trust in the one who can calm the storm with a word? Whatever circumstances you're facing today, they are not too much for you to handle when you place your hope and your faith in the Lord. When you are on God's team, you are always on the winning side. And yes, this is one of my absolute favorite I am statements. In Christ, I am fearless. Going to Mark 4.40, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? We need to fight the temptation to feel fear. We are in a spiritual battle. And one of the enemy's tactics is to promote fear. In his grace, God has given us the spiritual armor 
to wage that successful battle. You will recall in Ephesians 6.16 that we have the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. There is a wonderful promise here. The shield we wield extinguishes all the flames from the devil's darts, including the temptation to fear. And by its very nature, a shield is a defensive tool. God has given us all the defense we need. Faith overcomes fear of any kind. And it is with confidence in God that we can make a stand. Part of combating fear is following the path of wisdom and obedience, which always brings good results. Proverbs 3.24 says, When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. In Christ, we do not have to fear. And another one, in Christ, I am a work in progress. I'm going to Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This one I actually had a little bit of fun with. And much to Susan's dismay, I really like old cars. And I can drive down a country road and I see an old rusting hulk sitting in the middle of a blackberry bush. I want to winch it out. I want to fix it up, patch the rust. I want to spend a fortune in money on these things. It doesn't even matter what kind of car it is. I want to spend countless hours replacing parts, painting it. My hope is to return these cars to the road where, in my mind, they belong. Susan has a different opinion on that. And I'm grateful that she does, or I'd be flat broke. So unfortunately, we do have a sinful nature. And much like those old cars, we are projects. I can remember where I was five years ago. I can remember where I was 10 years ago. And I can remember where I was 20 years ago. And on and on and on, and I'm sure you can too. Since accepting Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, I can see a trajectory of change in my life and in my heart. Where did you start? And how has God changed you? That is the good news. God isn't done with us yet. God doesn't just leave us in our sin. He sanctifies us and makes us holy. And that's right there in 1 Corinthians 6.11. He works on our hearts and he changes us more and more every day. So who am I in Christ? I am a work in progress. I am under grace and God's love right here. And until I fulfill my purpose, I'm not done. I am a work in progress. Another one. In Christ, I am provided for. Going to Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Worried how you're going to make ends meet? Don't. The Bible promises us over and 
over again that God will meet our needs. After all, if God takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, won't he also take care of us, his children? God is always providing for his children, and often it's just not in the way that we expect. Sometimes it's not in the way we hope. Now, I read a quote from a man named John Piper, and he said, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, but you may be aware of only three of them. I kind of like that one. Jesus' disciples often missed what he was doing right in front of them. They missed the point of some of those miracles. They missed the lessons he was trying to teach them. They couldn't see the big picture unfolding right before their eyes. Our God is always moving. He always knows our needs before we even ask. The challenge for us is to see his provision and his care, even when it is different than what we expect. Isaiah 55, 9 states, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Just because we don't know how God will work things out yet, it doesn't mean that he won't. And it doesn't mean, mean that he's not providing for every single aspect of our lives. And this is my absolute favorite one. In Christ, I am victorious. And I'm going to 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you're facing today, whether it's the lies on the inside or the tough circumstances that are going on on the outside, it's not too much for God, and it's not too much for you. God will give you the victory when you follow him. No matter what circumstances you're facing, God will always provide that way out. God is working everything for your good. If it is true that we are dead to sin in Christ, the only thing left for us is to yield and to submit and offer our lives to God. We have been brought from life to life from death, transformed from the darkness into the light. And we are living on resurrection ground. We are on the victory side of the cross. Sin and death have no hold over us. Why would we want to be living in sin in fear, and in worry. As Christians, we still have our free will. But if we choose victory, we may certainly have it as a gift from God. Victory can be ours as we rest in the Lord constantly and obey all the commands of the Holy Spirit to us. But if we reject this gift of victory, we will continue to live as defeated Christians. Let us begin today to live the victorious life in Jesus 
the life that Jesus has already won for us. The battle may be, may not be over, but the winner has already been decided. You are victorious. This is who we are. We are this and so much more. We are not defined by what possessions we may own or what type of occupation we have. Titles don't mean a thing. As Christians, we are so much more than what meets the eye. I think we have so much to celebrate. Chiefly, within each believer, there is a living God who loves us no matter what. Our relationship with Christ doesn't rest alone on any good deeds that we do or how we might perform in this life. Our focus must be on God and what God is doing through us. In this life, there is going to be a lot of turmoil. But if we have a clear identity in Christ, if we know who we are in Christ, we will have the strength to overcome the difficult things in life. I think it's safe to say that there are groups of people out there and they watch us just to catch us in some of those little gotcha moments. Every day and in every situation, knowing who we are in Christ, we need to stand as ambassadors for Christ. When you're at work, especially when you're having a rough day, are you representing Jesus? When you get cut off in traffic, <laughs> how do you react? When you're trying to navigate through a crowded grocery store, are you patient? Are you kind? Or are you frustrated? Can anyone tell that maybe there's just a little something about you that maybe they might want to find out how you are and who your identity is with? Do you want them to know your identity is in Christ? So I ask you, who are you in Christ? The answer is right there in the Bible. <laughs> it's throughout the Bible. You are who God says you are. Amen. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for who we are. We thank you for your sacrifice that we can gain these identities, that we are strong, that we are victorious. We are chosen. There's just so much to celebrate being in, in you, in your identity. Lord, thank you. And we just ask that you continue to guide us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen.